We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to Rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined, as always, on the show by my co-host. It is Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners at Rotoviz.com. And Sean, we have a great show coming up here. I'm really excited about it. We have a special announcement coming up in just a moment as well with a special guest, uh, and it's going to be very, very exciting here for uh, Rotoviz Radio and Rotoviz over the coming months with that announcement. So looking forward to sharing that with the listeners in just a little moment. As always, I just want to let you know you can get yourself a 10% discount as a loyal podcast listener off a Rotoviz NFL pass. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Get yourself access to all of the content and tools on site. It also supports the podcast. So I did tease it at the start. We do have a guest and we're just going to go dive straight into it um, and we are going to have Ben Gretz joining us now in just a moment. Make sure you're following Ben if you're not already on Twitter. It is at YardsProGretz and you can also check out the Stadium Signals newsletter. Delighted to be joined now on the show by Ben. We te- did tease it earlier this week but we have a little bit of a special announcement uh, coming up here. We're going to have some fun over the next couple of weeks, next couple of months. We're going to have Sean and Ben launching their own show here on Rotoviz Radio, so we'll uh, we'll do some conversation around it. We'll talk some topics as well that uh, Ben's been looking into recently, and uh, should be should be fun here for the next uh, next few moments. The part that I'm going to start off with here, we've had uh, Sean's pitched a couple of name ideas to me. What are we What are we going with officially? Have we any uh, Have we any final suggestions? I, I think we we decided on stealing signals, right, Sean? We did, we did. Stealing signals is going to be the new <laughs> show that Ben. Gretch and I have on Rotoviz Radio. It's going to be absolutely fantastic to have Ben back. 
Listeners who have been with us for a while know that Ben is one of the early members of Rotovis Radio, really got it going. And listeners absolutely love him, right? Loved him here, loved him CBS, love what he's doing now with Ship Chasing, love his newsletter, Stealing Signals. And Ben, we're excited about Stealing Signals in part because it started at Rotoviz as well. well you came up with the name. That's I right. Mean, I think that's what's the, the fun sort of uh, synergy here is way back in the day, you pitched the idea for Stealing Signals. You came to me and said, hey, you know, I want you to write an article about every single team every single week. And I was like, Sean, go away. This is ridiculous. There's no way I can handle that. And, and, and then we talked again a few weeks later and you're like, hey, but no, you should really do this. And I was like, Sean, I, I desperately don't want to do that ever. And then, uh, yeah, eventually you wore me down. <laughs> and, and you came up with the name for it. Um, it was such an honor because you've always been a huge, well, both a mentor to me personally, but I've been such a massive fan of your work. I mean, you're like the, the analyst whose opinion I, uh, I will be most easily influenced by, I would say. Um, and there's not a ton because obviously I do a lot of my own research, but um, it was uh, such an honor that you came to me and, and we're like, yeah, I want to read what you have to say about every team every week. So, uh, you know, that's how Stealing Signals started originally. And I remember the first year was a slog. It was super hard. Gotten a little better at it over the years. Um, and it, it's a cool thing. It's It drives almost all of my decisions. I'm super glad that I do it. Uh, but it's there's so much synergy in, in coming back and doing a pod with you with that name, where it all started. I think that's really cool. And in my defense, I had, in my mind, something that was a little bit less than what Ben did. Right? But, but that's the way Ben does everything. That's one of the reasons why we're so excited to have him on the radio, on the pods with us here. Ben, if he's doing something, it's going to be all in. If you read his Stealing Signals newsletter, you know that it is the most all-in article that you're going to get in all of fantasy football. And we're excited to be talking about a lot of that on the pod. We're going to have a similar type of vibe to some of the things that we do with OT, where at least our goal is to do this three-episode arc, and we're going to be doing evergreen topics, Ben, so we can go through some of the things that were meaningful to us as we developed as analysts, developed as fantasy players, things that we think will help people grow as fantasy managers, and just sort of fun topics to talk about, because a lot of these have some interesting elements to debate as well. They continue to be provocative topics in the fantasy news all the time. Then we'll go through all of the deep stats and player discussions with an episode. I think that you are the name that is the most associated with that of anybody in the business at this point. Listeners love player discussions. We'll have a ton of those. We'll have some of the best stats that you'll hear at any point. And then it won't be all of the time, but we'll occasionally bring on some guests that can touch on some of these topics as well. And one of the things we'll be talking about early on will be projections, will be team depth charts. And you had mentioned had the great idea to have Evan Silva on and talk about some of those types of things. So those will be some of the elements that we'll be going with. We had also discussed this possibility of um, sort of mashing the brands together and going with stealing bananas. I know that... Uh, I love Fawn, who I've done some drafts with, is, is one of my favorite writers. Uh, one of the team names that we're looking at for uh, our Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty team that he had suggested, uh, that his doctor had suggested from Arrested Development, was Mr. Banana Grabber. I know that if you're doing Stealing Bananas, there's probably some tie ins there. 
But of course, probably we want to stick with our own brands and stealing signal is just really the no brainer. I think it goes to exactly what we're going to be talking about on the show. And obviously we love to be associated with some of the other things that you were doing. That's going to be a great tie in. And, and again, just, we'd love to say welcome back to Rotoviz radio. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, it's great to be back, and thank you. Uh, I, I have to say, I loved the stealing. I genuinely loved the stealing bananas name. Like, I was envisioning we could get like a logo where we're just a couple of gorillas, because I mean, we're all just you know <laughs> lightly evolved gorillas anyway. So um, that's sort of what we're we're doing. We're all kind of you know looking around for for a banana to, to hopefully <laughs> get us in the right direction. Um, but yeah, we're gonna have a blast. I'm really excited about our first topics for next week. It's cool that we're gonna do sort of a, a theme for each week in three episodes. Um, and next week's is gonna be really great, the first week. Uh, and, and so yeah, I, 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 I'm obviously thrilled about the whole project as well, but uh, we're gonna come out with a bang. Yeah, this is gonna be awesome. I'm, I'm super excited about it. Can't wait to, to listen into them. And um, I, I was just wondering when I pitched it at the start, was there any other final name suggestions? I didn't know if Sean was gonna keep that stealing bananas to himself but i'm glad he shared it with the audience and uh, I, I i had a lot more logo ideas for the stealing bananas uh, so we'll work out the logos but maybe maybe there's a last minute change in the the name changes but i think uh, <laughs> stealing signals is the way to go but i do think maybe some sort of a segment around uh, stealing bananas is definitely something that uh, you could work into it but for today's uh, episode we're going to talk a little bit uh, about some projections that ben is doing uh, looking into some of the afc south um, so Ben, I'll let you take the floor. You're the man with the uh, the signals, with the stats. What do you want to, to hit us with? Well, yeah, I've started doing projections and I'm doing a, another limited run podcast uh, with Mike Leone over on Establish, uh, Establish the Edge over, over at Establish the Run um, for a little bit, kind of breaking down some projection stuff. And, and we're going to be starting with AFC South. So that's the one that I've gone through. Um, the, the, the stat that I think is really interesting for a few of these teams and the stat that I'm looking at a lot more and more is targets per route run. People talk a lot about yards per route run. Um, I did some work last year, sort of breaking that into its component parts of yards per target and targets per route run. Um, we've often thought about targets as opportunity in the fantasy industry. At the same time, I think there's a, a really, you know, a growing consensus that targets are earned and they are a skill and the rate at which players earn targets probably should be viewed more as an efficiency stat and the, and the routes themselves should be, should be viewed as the opportunity. Um, and so targets wind up in sort of this middle ground between opportunity and efficiency. But when you look at a stat like yards per out run, it, it goes from the routes run through the target all the way to the yards, but you can break it up into yards per target and targets per out run. And when I was looking at those component parts, it's, it's pretty clear that there's a lot more signal in targets per out run, and then yards per target is the, is the you know, everything that happens after the catch point, the catch rate, the yards after the catch, um, the depth of the throw. And we know that yards per target is not a particularly sticky stat. Um, so I, you know, my, my idea with players that we want to target are, you know, this obviously builds off all the incredible work Sean's done over the years with our prospect knowledge on receivers is, you know, we want dominators. We want players in college that are dominating volume, which in a big way, I, you know, I don't have all the the, rookie, uh, the the prospect targets per outrun data, but um, in a big way would be, um, w- would, would almost certainly show that the, those types of players that dominate production are dominating targets per route run as they run them. And then as we get to the NFL level, 
I want to see that from the young players. I want to see players that are efficient early on in their career, but are efficient at drawing targets specifically, because I think we think of these, um, you know, home run hitting wide receivers as the guys that have upside at wide receiver. But, you know, this is something Sean and I have talked about before. People undervalue volume. I mean, as at least as it relates to upside, they undervalue guys like, you know, Tyler Boyd or Keenan Allen or, or whoever who can just rack up so many receptions. There is a lot of upside in the repetitiveness of getting target after target after target. Um, and, and we know on a, on a big season scale, if we can project a ton of targets, that's a great thing. But when we're looking for breakout players, rather than looking for these boom bust types towards the background of, uh, towards the back of the draft, I'm really interested in guys that can earn a ton of targets and potentially be, um, you know, a future wide receiver one in terms of target share, uh, the way that, you know, like a Deontay Johnson kind of came out of nowhere last year. Um, not necessarily nowhere. I mean, I, I, I know you guys were talking about him um, and I was as well, but a, a guy who um, succeeded through volume because he had the ability to earn a ton of volume. And that's something that showed up in his prospect profile as well. So anyway, I've done some AFC South work and found some interesting stats. Um, I, I think one interesting one I want to get your guys' thoughts on is in, in Indianapolis. We have T.Y. Hilton, obviously. Um, kind of a known commodity. And then we have Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman. Pittman last year was pretty decent in a target share perspective, but he ran quite a few routes. I mean, 367 routes isn't like a full-time player, but he was out there quite a bit. And he only was targeted on 15.5% of his routes. I'm usually looking for guys that can get up around 20%. Down near 15% is when it starts to get sketchy. So he was down a little bit lower. Paris Campbell, meanwhile, has been banged up a lot in his first two seasons. And he's only run 159 routes in his career. So he's run about half as many routes as Pittman at the NFL level. But he was targeted on 20.8% of those routes. And some of that has to do with the depth of of his routes and where he operates. But I thought that was pretty interesting. More than five full percentage points higher um, in terms of his rate of targets per route. He's obviously a little bit of an injury concern and things like that. But it's got me a little more excited about Campbell than Pittman when I'm thinking about like, potential, uh, you know, upside young Colts receivers, because I, I feel like there's a chance that Campbell could be the guy that ends up leading the team in targets. What, what do you think about that, Sean? I'm curious what, you, what, what your take is on that. Well, Pittman is one of those guys that I think superficially you're thinking, okay, he is big, he's athletic, he had a solid rookie season. He's perhaps going to have a mild upgrade at quarterback. But then once you dive into it a little bit more deeply, like you mentioned, these red flags start to emerge. We know he's one of these guys who was a four-year college player, which is always a little bit of a red flag. And then he's a little bit further along in terms of what we would need to see from his development than some of the other guys who are going to be in year two. Then you mentioned these potential concerns in terms of share within the Colts receiving game. My thought would be that he is not as much of a no-brainer to dominate targets within that offense as his ADP suggests. So I think there's a lot of risk and maybe not as much upside as some of the similar players. Now, he's not extremely expensive. And if you're wanting to get some exposure to second-year wide receivers at a price you can tolerate, I think that he's the way to go. But you mentioned Campbell as someone who – Campbell is almost free, right? Now, anybody that you have to spend a pick on, I mean, those picks are valuable. But – he might have a similar amount of upside, maybe even a little bit more safety, an interesting kind of guy very, very late. Do you have these guys close enough now that you would go to Campbell due to price? Yeah, and I actually ended up projecting Campbell to score more points. Just in my projections, it's not necessarily how I'll rank it. I, I think 
it is important to understand upside. Pittman sees further downfield targets, has, you know, the the more physical stature to be, you know, a high TD producer. If he hits, he could hit bigger. But um, Campbell came out with 6.7 more PPR points in my projection, largely due to, you know, catch rate's going to be a little higher and things like that, um, even though I have Pittman for a higher TD rate. But, yeah, I mean, they're close enough in my mind that when you consider cost, I think I like Campbell more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ben, when you're looking at these projections for the Colts, and we have really all the question marks about Carson Wentz, who could go from probably not being the MVP candidate again, but we know that he's got a lot of upside and has played at that level in the past, although it's somewhat distant past at this time and is back beyond when a fairly significant injury happened that he's never really played that well since all the way down to last year where he was someone who did need to go to the bench as an NFL player because he just wasn't able to move the ball at all for the Eagles. What are you looking at in terms of passing volume for the Colts? And then sort of as the other half of that, is that team going to have enough efficiency that we want exposure to any of these guys? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one, and I've started to look at projections um, in terms of like degree of confidence and how big my error bars are. I think this is one that has a a pretty big error bar to it. Um, But I have them with a pretty similar rates to 2020, basically Uh, pretty similar to how they, um, played under Philip Rivers, which was a little bit more run heavy, especially late in the year. Um, Wentz took a lot of sacks last year. As you know, he just really struggled in, in that offense last year. I have his sack rate improving, but it being worse than than Philip Rivers' sack rate with the Colts last year. I mean, the Colts have a great offensive line, which is one of the, the really interesting things from Wentz is, you know, he held the ball a lot, was moving around a lot, taking a lot of sacks, taking a lot of hits behind the Eagles' offensive line. You know, if you want to tell yourself an upside story, you can certainly think that uh, a a guy that might need an extra second of processing time in, you know, in his drop right now to get more comfortable and get back to playing how he was playing earlier in his career, which was, you know, at a a much higher level for stretches. This this would be a really good situation for that. And he's obviously working with Frank Reich, who he's worked with before. Um, Shouldn't be too much, you know, confusion in terms of the offense and things like that. So. Like, I, I think there's scenarios where this could be a really efficient offense. I, I think it's going to probably lean run, like which we kind of expect with Jonathan Taylor's ADP and those things. Um, and they don't really have, you know, clear playmakers in the passing game. Obviously, they still have Hines, they still have Hilton and, and Campbell and Pittman. And, um, 
you know, they, they're thinner at tight end right now too. And people have talked about Zach Ertz being a potential, you know, a potential uh, candidate for this roster. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it seems like a, 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 a team that on paper looks like it's going to run more uh, at the same time. Reich is also somebody that when I have written stealing signals the last few years seems to be um, far more game script, uh, like willing to be malleable to, to how the game is flowing. There's some teams that obviously, you know, like <laughs> I think back to like John Fox when he was with the bears, they would be terrible and they'd also have a run rate above league average. And it just didn't make any sense. They'd be losing games and he'd still be, you know, establishing the run. Um, or, you know, maybe Pete Carroll is the guy that, that I should mention here, but um, I, I Reich has always been really interesting in that regard from a week to week basis. If they trail, even their personnel will change. I remember when they had Ebron, Ebron snaps would spike when they would trail. They, they were in their pass sets and Ebron was going to be on the field. When they led, Ebron wouldn't be on the field. He's not a great blocker. His snaps would dip. And people would talk about how volatile his snaps were. And it was pretty easily explained by um, what their game script was, what, what, you know, whether they were leading or trailing throughout that game and, and needed to be pass heavy or not. Um, and, and we've seen that with Taylor and Hines a little bit. Taylor obviously came on late, um, but, but yeah, I mean, he's going to be a little bit dependent on that, but I, I think this is a good team. They have pretty good defense, pretty good offensive line. So if they're leading, they, they should probably be willing to run. I think Taylor gets plenty of carries in those games. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting. There's a lot, there's a wide range. I mean, I think Wentz's play could improve certainly. In terms of the other ones, we'll get one more team we'll uh, do a quick dive into here. Um, again, I'll let you make that call as to which we go to. Um, hit, us with, hit us with another one. Well, I'll give you a couple more interesting targets per outrun stats from two different teams. We'll just talk about the receivers from two different teams because um, it's players that I love. Uh, A.J. Brown, I just want to throw this stat out. Um, first year and second year, he's had a yards per outrun of 2.67 and 2.65, which are ridiculous. Um, there's a very small group of players that's even that have exceeded a yards per outrun of two in both of their first two years. Uh, I, I know Pat Corain was a, a, somebody who gave me the, the stat of that group. It's a really elite group. Um, and he was mentioning it in regards to Debo Samuel, who is a big Sean favorite, um, who has been uh, over two in each of his first two years. A.J. Brown has not only been over two yards per outrun, he's been over 2.6 yards per outrun in both years. But it's interesting he did it in different ways. When we talk about the component parts, the first year, very high yards per target, 21.4% uh, of routes he was targeted on, which is a good number. Last year, the yards per outrun regressed a little. His ADOT dropped a little, saw more targets in the lower area of the field. Targets per outrun jumped to 24.9%, basically a quarter of, of routes, which is really strong. Um, Julio Jones, meanwhile, had uh, a really good year last year, but was more efficient than he's been. I think his yards per target was the highest it's been in his entire career. And that's going to be a little bit less sticky. That just means he had a few more big plays and things. It is interesting that his targets per outrun were 22% last year. That's still good, but it was his first year below 26% since 2012, since his second season. He went on this, you know, six or seven or eight year run where he was 26% or higher in terms of being targeted per route last year, all the way down to 22%. So pretty significant dip there. Um, and with AJ Brown kind of emerging in, in that stat, uh, I, I think that's an interesting consideration. I, I, you know, what, how you want to value these two players relative to each other. Julio's obviously changing offenses. Um, I'm pretty confident in AJ Brown as their, as their number one. And then Jacksonville is the other stat I'll, I'll give you real quick. LaVisca Chanel, obviously not an amazing rookie season, but he was targeted on 19.8% of his routes last year. Pretty strong for a rookie, right around 20%. That's more than DJ Chark in any of Chark's seasons. Obviously, Chark has a higher A dot, a little bit tougher to draw targets. 
and, and Shark's been good, 19.2%, 19.3% the last two years. So he's been in a, in a good range. But Chenault was above that. And then Marvin Jones, who a lot of people like, um, Sean pointed out to me years ago, that he's always kind of just a wide receiver too. Like people want him to be better than he is. He uh, has not had a year over 18.5% targets per route run since 2013 when he was more of a, a role player. And that was really early in his career. But basically this whole time, Lions, everything else, um, he's never been targeted more than 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 what Shark and Chenault have done in their in their early careers. So um, I actually like Chenault to potentially lead his team in targets, given that, that Shark and Jones are both sort of downfield guys. I see Jones as sort of the clear number three um, and that Shark has the, the upside of those two downfield guys. But Chenault operating in sort of the shallow area, he's already getting great reviews. And he did have, a, a, you know, a strong showed a strong ability to draw targets last year. He just didn't have the snaps all season. When his snaps started taking up, he got hurt. Um, but when he was playing, he was drawing targets at a decent rate. The, the year two leap for him could be pretty exciting. Well, we're excited to hear you say that because we did a big uh, promo for Chenault this week as well. He's one of the guys I think that everybody needs to be buying. Take us to the Titans, and what is this going to look like with Brown and Julio Jones? Again, this idea of overall volume for the team. Now, Brown, we were always wanting more targets for just a more pass-heavy offense, this chance for him to show that he could be the overall wide receiver one in football. You know, maybe this kind of guy like a peak Calvin Johnson, like a peak Julio Jones that just goes out there and absolutely dominates someone who could be a legitimate pick like in the top you know, five picks overall in a fantasy draft. We know that he did everything he did last year at well below 100% physically. So he could be even more dominant as a talent, as a player on the field in 2021. But this offense is built around the run. It's built around Derrick Henry. We saw Corey Davis have some decent stretches last year when, the, when opposing defenses went so hard to take away A.J. Brown or when he was hurting to the extent that he really wasn't himself. And it had some big spurts and then the really slow finish. Can both of these guys be big stars? Is it a fact where uh, this offense, they'll help each other out and there are so few other targets that they could both actually be big time wide receivers? Because even though the, the pies may be smaller than their teams, it's also not very split up. Yeah, I mean, that was my initial response was um, I didn't think Julio was all that bad for AJ Brown. I mean, I, I, I understand that the concern about you know, whether he could get to 200 targets essentially, but maybe that was always sort of a pipe dream. He's an efficiency um, star. Like he's going to be efficient throughout his career um, in a way that people who just look at things like yards per target aren't going to be able to understand because he's efficient before and after the catch point. He's He sees downfield targets at a high volume and he creates yards after the catch. After his rookie year, he joined a cohort of players that um, at any season in the air yards era, had you know a certain threshold of volume i think it was 75 targets a certain depth of target i think it was 13 um and i did this analysis last year and and then i think it was 400 yards after the catch a raw number of of yak and so they're downfield players winning downfield and earning volume downfield not just you know sporadic deep threats who also generate yards after the catch and that cohort was and not just for among you know players rookie seasons but in their you know, in, in their entire career, it was Julio Jones had done that a couple of times, hit all those benchmarks. Um, Calvin Johnson had done it a couple of times. Tyree Kill was in that cohort. You had like a Jeremy Macklin season, a couple of Greg Jennings seasons. You also had guys like Tyree Kill and Deshaun Jackson, different types of receivers 
but that same type of efficiency where they're generating both deep targets and yards after the catch because they're sort of punt return, you know, ability in, in the open field. When you have those elements, you're going to maintain year over year efficiency that looks almost unsustainable because you you're going to be efficient on one of the other one of the elements. Maybe you're not as good at the catch point. And, you know, like H.A. Brown had a memorable drop last year on what could have been like an 80-yard TD. His efficiency could have been even better. It was in an island game. I can't remember exactly which one, but just absolutely dropped the ball. That could have been a long, another long touchdown for him last year. He still had a yards per target over 10 for the season. Um, but, you know, you hit a few big plays like that throughout a season, it, it spikes those types of numbers. Um, but, yeah, like even a Deshaun Jackson, who's not the same player as Brown, he's been efficient throughout his whole career because he's both generating yards after he catches the ball and gets the ball in his hands, and he's generating deep targets, which help that. Um, so Brown's going to be throughout his career, a very efficient player. So the question for me is just, can he get to a certain target threshold for him to have just a massive ceiling? It's not necessarily like, I don't think he needs 200 targets necessarily to be just a really, really, um, uh, you know, a potentially massive ceiling player. Maybe he can't do the types of, of stat lines that Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams and those guys have had in recent years, but he can have some pretty huge stat lines. He can have, the, you know, the, the peak Julio Jones stat lines, the peak, um, Terrell Owens or Randy Moss stat lines. Those are the types of players that both generated downfield heavy volume um, and were also able to generate it in the shallower areas, which Brown showed more of last year. His ADOT did come down last year and they're generating yards after the catch and they're they're doing more after the catch. And Julio is another guy on the same team that's doing that. So now you have two of these players that are the types of players that make their quarterback's efficiency better because they're so, like, they're so good in every element. They're either going to create yards for you after the catch they're going to make plays down the field in double coverage, whatever. And so I, I, the big question with Tennessee is how efficient can they be again? They've been so efficient in the last couple of years under, you know, since Ryan Tannehill took over in the middle of 2019, it's kind of hard to see them not being efficient again with, with those players and with Derrick Henry as well. Uh, who's, you know, been a thorn in my side because I've been fading him the last couple of years, but is it like unsustainable efficiency at running back too. So you have these three, core players it's still a very concentrated offense i don't think guys like josh reynolds are going to play a lot an interesting stat i saw with them was um you know adam humphreys played seven games last year and saw some decent volume like not great but decent he was their third highest targeted receiver but he only played seven games no other receiver for tennessee last year had more than 15 targets so even in those nine other games where humphreys didn't play they didn't they weren't using a wide receiver three it was aj brown Corey davis it was the multi-tight end sets as well they don't have Janu either. So I think this this offense looks a lot like the Vikings circa 2018. 2019 was when Thielen got hurt and Diggs was in the deep threat role and only got like 90 targets. But if you go all the way back to 2018, you had Thielen and Diggs were the only passing game guys pretty much that year. They used their tight ends a little bit. They did not have a wide receiver three. And then Dalvin Cook kind of dominated the, the rushing work. That's how Tennessee profiles to me, a very, very heavy concentration which, number one, if Julio goes down, you're right back to where we were with A.J. Brown for a stretch, even if he misses a few games. But also if Derrick Henry, if this wear and tear starts hitting him and he goes down, the backup running backs they have are not going to keep dictating the same type of run lean that Derrick Henry has. I think it would be very obvious at that point they're going to need to throw more, they're going to need to trust Hill, and they're going to need to recognize that the strength of their team at that point is their two elite wide receivers. Um, so there is room, for, I think, for their pass rate to really spike this year if Henry were to miss time. Um, but... It, it, that's what happens with these really concentrated offenses, right? Is like if a guy misses some time, it can open up even more volume. But even still, there, I think there's still plenty of volume to go around. I have Julio and and, and AJ Brown projected to, to clear twenty, uh, clear fifty percent of their targets combined. 
um, which is quite a quite a lot for the top two receivers. But you know, I was just saying that the Titans weren't using their third receivers a lot last year, and so I'm I'm not really projecting Josh Reynolds or Des Fitzpatrick or any of these guys to be involved. I think it's going to be a very heavily concentrated offense, which is good enough even at low volume. But there is room, you know, if something happens, an injury happens, for for there to be more volume. I think as well. Yeah, that's a great point. I think we talk a lot about scenario-based drafting. Sometimes you can forget that it's not just between the two wide receivers or how well does the quarterback play. But if Derrick Henry does have a problem in this offense, we tend to think about it in terms of what that might mean for Darrington Evans. It also could be huge for the two wide receivers. I'm getting from you that A.J. Brown and Julio Jones both have plenty of room to beat ADP, which I think is a good conclusion from that argument we're definitely there with Brown. I think you've got me there with Julio a little bit more as well in the draft we did the other day, uh, Mike beers picked Julio at toward the end of the round four. We know Mike is going to always be hitting great selections in best ball draft. So awesome stuff, Ben. It makes us even more excited for the ceiling signals pod. That's going to come listeners are going to get a ton of that from Ben over the next couple of months and hopefully the next several years. So we're very, very excited. Look for stealing signals. If you can't find it, look for stealing bananas. That's not going to be it, but you never know. So, Colin, take us out. Once again, thanks to you, Ben, for jumping on the show and uh, having a little conversation with myself and Sean and obviously announcing the new podcast we will have on the Rotoviz Radio Airwaves starting next week. Should be fantastic content. Looking forward to being um, you know, involved with that project. It's going to be going to be fantastic. As I mentioned at the start of the show, if you're not already, make sure you're following Ben on Twitter at yards progress check out all this great work and of course make sure you're going to subscribe to that feed it is in the creation stage at the moment we'll be up on all your favorite podcast players over the coming days make sure you are subscribed and that you'll get them shows instantly once they go up the guys are hoping to do three a week a little bit like we do here at road of his overtime and uh, that there gives you uh, so much content at the at the moment uh, dave and curtis that's dave cabin and curtis patrick are doing three shows a week for the road of his radio flagship show you have three shows with ot and you'll have three shows with ben and sean so it's just going to be a a phenomenal amount of content coming your way and that's not to mention the other great content that is up on road of his radio so much great shows really proud to be involved with the guys and the team that we have here at the moment so uh, make sure you subscribe to all those feeds make sure you're dropping those five-star reviews and uh as always, thanks for tuning in. My name is Colm Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over Tomorrow. And my co-host, as always, is Sean Siegel. Check out Sean's great work up on rotaviz.com. Until we're back with another episode this Saturday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with this country, the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.